Well, Miss, Miss Elise is here, so that's good. <laughs> yes. Over for the last couple of weeks, we've been going over uh, just different parts of the universal Christ and, and um, just that vastness, that greatness of God's love, that radical inclusion and grace. And, and sometimes uh, as we live in the world and, and even in the church sometimes, uh, the church is sometimes resistant uh, to that, that radical welcome and, and goodness there that we find in Christ. And today, um, <clears throat> I was going to read from, the, from Romans here. And also just sometimes, uh, maybe this has been a struggle for me, I know, throughout my life, and, and maybe you have or have not, about just things that tend to be what I call problematic. <laughs> problematic, you know, yeah, our, our, our daughters, one of our daughters' favorite words that she reminds us of quite frequently. <laughs> so reading uh, from Romans here, chapter 12, and uh, verse 2. Uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So just being transformed and renewed by that presence of Christ so that we can go through that process. What is, what is of God? What is God's, God's will? <clears throat> and the next verse I would like to read, and I'm not condoning this verse, so don't throw rocks at me, but just... Uh, <laughs> One of these problematic verses that we have in Scripture. Now, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'm going to read... Ver- <laughs> now, I'm not condoning this verse. <laughs> it'll, it'll all make sense as the sermon goes on here. <clears throat> as in all the churches of the saints, <laughs> women should be silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak but should be subordinate as the law also says. And you'll really like this part. And if there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. (laughs) It's even hard for me to say, this is the word of God for the people of God. (laughs) Thanks. No one even said, thanks be to God there. Wow. (laughs) Well, as we uh, take some time... um, just addressing this. <laughs> Have you in your walk, in your spiritual walk, your walk with God and being a part of a church, maybe in and out of a church, think of the things that you have found problematic. <laughs> Either with scripture, uh, sometimes with the church, sometimes with religion. And we kind of have to address these things where we end up just leaving. We just leave religion. We, we leave the church. So what are some things you have found problematic, and how have you resolved those things? So let's take a few moments just to pray and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Amen. Without sharing any stories, just a show of hands. Who has ever had some problems with Scripture or the church. <laughs> I think we're close to 100% here. <clears throat> well, I, I have as well, and, and I continue to have, you know, problems with the church and, and scriptures and everything. Um, our daughter, Andy, though, uh, she is 23 years old now, 
And she's young and, and she's bright, she's hopeful, she's idealistic, she's full of ideas. She likes to consider herself the word that they like to use today that she is woke. She's very conscientious and has this higher degree of understanding. And because she is woke, that means Jennifer and I are not. <laughs> <clears throat> And part of her uh, responsibilities in her life are to point this out to us whenever <laughs> she sees these things. And we'll quite often, uh, we will pull out our flip phone that holds a charge for 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> and she will look at us and say, that's problematic. <laughs> that's problematic. I will walk outside with my, my holy sweats on. Not holy as in of God, but just they have holes in them. And I have a torn t-shirt. And she'll look at my clothing and say, that's problematic, Dad. <laughs> and Jennifer will wake up in the morning and just roll out of bed and do absolutely nothing to her hair. And Jennifer, not Jennifer, but Andy will say, that's problematic, Mom. We have an old car, an 86 Ford truck that I love, and we literally keep parts of that truck together with baling wire. <laughs> and Andy says, that's problematic, guys. That's problematic. <clears throat> and on a more serious note, the church and religion's predominantly historical images of God as male are very problematic for Andy. And she points this out quite often. Matter of fact, those, those dominant images of God being male uh, put her into a faith crisis. And she's continuing to work through that because it's very problematic for her. And think about all the things that we, have, uh, that we can use that word problematic within the church, within religion, Maybe that image of God. <clears throat> and especially for me, the Bible has often been, I love the Bible, but it's also been very problematic. <clears throat> Father Richard Rohr says, for all of its inspiration, for all the lives that it has changed, the Bible is undeniably problematic. It's life-giving. And at the very same time, it presents some problems, like that one little verse I read there. <laughs> he said, put the Bible in the hands of egocentric and unloving and power-hungry people, and it is always, always a disaster. And he says, this is not a biased opinion. He goes, His history verifies this. <clears throat> put the Bible in the hands of the wrong people, and it's a disaster. We have the burning of heretics. The Crusades, slavery, apartheid, homophobia, the genocide and the oppression of native peoples. All these events have been justified in part with the selective use of Scripture. And that is problematic. The Bible is also unkind to menstruating women, shellfish, and pigskin. And it goes on and on. 
And it has very harsh words to say about lending money at interest. But even fundamentalists and literalists conveniently disregard these instructions. But they enforce others. So what are we supposed to do with the Bible? And these problems that it presents as well as it's giving us life and wisdom about how we should live. Well, Novation was one of those uh, brilliant, uh, just wise 4th century mystics. And he says, God does not change. God does not change. But our understanding of God changes. And that makes sense to me. And I'm not a biblical scholar, but when I, when I read through the Old Testament and get into the New Testament with that revelation of Christ and Jesus, I can see it seems like our understanding of God has changed. And we have that picture of God through Jesus the Christ. And for me at least, it's very different from what we find in the Old Testament. Even though I can, we can see parts of that grace and that goodness in the Old Testament as well. Richard Rohr says the book, the Bible, did not fall from heaven in a pretty package. <clears throat> it was written by people trying to listen to God. And the Spirit <clears throat> guided their process. They're listening as well as they're writing. But we also know that humans always see through a glass darkly. This is from Corinthians. We know that humans see through a glass darkly and that that knowledge is never perfect. In Romans, Paul writes, Be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may discern the will of God. So that we can discern the way of Christ. And then Paul allegedly writes in Philippians. After these wonderful words of inclusion and welcome that we find throughout his writing. He says, women should not speak in church. And think of the amount of harm and the amount of damage that has been done because of those words. Walter Wink, a Methodist minister and a biblical scholar, he says, over 150 years ago when the the debate was raging in our society and in the church, that debate was going over slavery. And I think that debate was more intense than our current sexuality debate in the church, more intense than our debate over immigration. But during this debate, the Bible seemed to be clearly on the slaveholder's side. Many scriptures appear to sanction slavery. Abolitionists, many of whom who were Christians, were hard-pressed to justify their opposition to slavery on biblical grounds. But today, no one, or I should say very few people, would argue that the Bible sanctions slavery. We'd call it ridiculous. So what happened? Why did all of these opinions and all of these thoughts change? And it took a long, long time for people to change their minds there. Walter Wink says, in the same way, 50 years from now, and I think it'll actually be less than 50 years from now, people will look back and wonder that the church could be so obtuse and so resistant to the new thing that the Holy Spirit is doing among us regarding sexuality. 
I'd say less than 50 years, people will look back and go, how in the world did they think those things? How did they persecute people who were different? And it will not make sense to them. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The renewing of our hearts and our souls. So what is the will of God? The spirit of Christ. What is good and acceptable? And what do we do with the Bible? That provides so much wisdom, but also so many problems as well. Cynthia Bouget, who's an Episcopal priest, I mispronounce her last name all the time. She says, as a person of faith, as a Christian, she goes, I will listen to the diversity of biblical voices. I'm going to listen to those voices that we find in Genesis and Exodus and even Leviticus and the prophets and Paul. But she says, I will be rooted and grounded by the teachings and the path walked by Jesus. I'm going to pay more attention to what Jesus says and how he walked. And if I have to choose between Jesus or Paul, if they're in tension with one another, I'm going to go with Jesus. If there's tension between Jesus and Isaiah or Jeremiah, I'm going to listen more to Jesus. If there's tension in between those voices in Leviticus, I'm going with Christ as well. Because Jesus is all about inclusion and forgiveness and empowerment. And just for the record, Jesus does not condemn gays, lesbians, or any other person in the divine and diverse sexual spectrum that we have with us. He doesn't condemn anyone there. Rougeau says, in light of God's compassion, and in light of Christ's compassion for people, people are set free to live their lives in strength and hope, regardless of what religious or what the religious peace police say or what society should say. That Spirit of God sets us free. And Jesus' harsh words are reserved entirely. Entirely for those religious views, cultural views, or political views that cause people harm or condemn others. Because Christ is about inclusion, radical inclusion, and empowerment of people. Walter Wink says, what Jesus gives us is a critique of domination in all forms. And his life and his teachings often critique the Bible. It's pretty fascinating. Jesus' life, his teachings, they often critique the Bible itself. And we have that tension that we have to wrestle with. What is right? What is true? What is of God? What What is the will of Christ? And we are free to follow and to embrace what we've been reading about, this universal Christ. Radical inclusion in love for all of humanity and our earth. And we learn once we experience this Christ presence, we learn and grow so much from Scripture, but we do not worship the Bible. We don't worship the Bible. 
Barbara Brown Taylor says the Bible is the holy inspired word of God and it has human fingerprints on it. And it's our job to discern what those human fingerprints are. That's a long process to discern. What is of God? What would uh, those little trite bumper stickers, what would Jesus do? That's actually a very good question. (laughs) Rougeau says God's mercy and compassion is steadily revealed to us. And we are compelled by our faith to refrain from any behaviors or any judgments, judgments which arrogantly demean the dignity of another human being or cause them to lose hope. In our circle of compassion, as we draw closer to Christ and experience that love, just grows wider and wider and wider as we realize how vast, how encompassing that love is. And can you show um, a picture of that woman? Many of you might not know her. (laughs) She's one of our our heroes, one of my heroes of faith. She's a historic figure in the Methodist church. And you look at her, and I think about the young kids talking about who's woke. (laughs) (laughs) And what it looked, you have a certain image almost when you're woke. She's not that image. (laughs) But she is very, very woke. Very, very strong. She looks like June Cleaver in Leave it to Beaver. Or, or the mother in Father Knows Best. Her name is Maud Jensen. She looks like your typical 1950s housewife. And she is, but she's also much, much more. Maud was a missionary in Korea for over 40 years. She was recognized by the Korean government for her work with the people, and they applauded her and praised her. And Maud, she loved God, she loved the Bible, and she loved Methodist Church that she served throughout her life. But Maud also had problems with the church, specifically the Methodist Church. She had problems with the Bible. We could say they were very problematic for her. And so Maud and other women, I'm sure they would, they wrote up a petition in 1956. And this had been done time and time again and always had been rejected. So they wrote up a petition for the General Conference of the Methodist Church. Asking the church to fully recognize and ordain women in ministry. And can you show that next picture here? So this is the General Assembly of the Methodist Church in 1956 in Pennsylvania. And they decide important matters in the church. And change is very, very slow. (laughs) And Maude and these other women said... We have been called. We want to be fully recognized as ministers in the church. And we want to have that pathway to the ordination available to us. And so picture Maud. She's in there at crowd somewhere. (laughs) 
standing up before all these men. We want to be ordained. And an elder in a church, a man stood up, and this is the story I've heard passed down. He stood up and, and looked at Maud and said, How dare you ask to be fully ordained in God's church? How dare you? When Paul clearly states in the Bible, women should not speak in church. How dare you? What do you have to say? Think of that picture of Maud. And she stood up and said, Sir, I think you answered your question. And he said, What? She goes, You already answered your question. And he said, What do you mean? And Maud said, My call did not come from Paul. Paul didn't call me. Jesus Christ did. And that assembly had another long, long debate. And they finally, I would say, saw the light. In 1956, the Methodist church said, we will fully ordain women in ministry. And it was a landmark. And Maud was the very first woman <clears throat> to be ordained in our church. And think of how we reacted when I, when I read that scripture. <laughs> I felt a little threatened even <laughs> to even bring it up. But this was radical and groundbreaking and, and how great and how vast that grace is for all. And God calls all of God's creation. All people have that call to serve. And nothing can silence them from acting on that call and that movement of that spirit within them. And Maud knew that that grace was real. And she had the strength to to question those established norms. And my prayer for all of us today, as our church is sitting in the middle of this, it's basically the same discussion we had for 100 years that I thought we resolved in 1956. (laughs) And here we go again. And our general conference is going to have this same meeting in the spring. And it's the same discussion, people saying, we have been called We've been called. And maybe that light will shine. I don't know. But may our faith compel us to love and and to support and to listen to that voice of God moving within us. May we refrain from any behavior or judgments which arrogantly demean the dignity of another human being. And may we live into and press into that grace which knows no limits. Amen. And let us pray. And holy God, loving God, we just give you thanks for this day and the opportunity to come and to, to worship you. And may your grace just sink into our hearts and just convict us about what it means to truly walk with you. And may we open up our doors, our hearts, and our minds to to receive that universal presence. And may we share that with one another. 
And may we live in such a way that we are part of the, the healing and the restoration of our relationships, our community, and our world. That there will be no one left outside your circle of compassion. May we love as you first loved us. And through your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. CD that I made and, and Judy Collins singing. This is one of my very, very favorite songs. And so when Coco said, I, you've probably never heard of Suzanne. And I'm like, oh, I do know that. I do know that. So just kind of like with Let It Be, boy, those Beatles and Cohen, I guess they were woke. <laughs> um, verse two is just word for word. I gently changed the words. Um, we're setting the universal Christ and just how big God's love is for each and every one of us. And Jesus is just with us in the muck, in our addictions. He, he you know, Jesus, I, and I, you know, I think of Andy about the pronouns, um, I, that's why I love the word Jesus, because there is no he or she. But um, I just love the word Jesus. And, and for pronoun's sake, there is some he's. So sorry, Andy. <laughs> but um, Suzanne, but this is about um, just, just loving and letting Jesus' perfect love touch our hearts and change us, truly change us. So here we go. And are there two of you who would like to receive our offering here today? The historic song, Gospel is Just Over in Glory Land. Uh, Coco kind of rewrote the words here, the same tune. It's called, uh, now it's Just Over in Birthed Land. <laughs> so please stand, uh, and I think we'll have the words on the screen as well here. <laughs> Where Dana's parents live. And, um, and what was kind of, so, so Coco said, Jen, we need, to, we need to do this song for Dana. And it has words about Dana, and I'm thinking, Dana's going to kill us. <laughs> and so yesterday, I gave Craig the music. I said, now put all this in the computer. And he said, does Dana know about this? And I said, no, it'll be a surprise. He said, well, I'm going to unsurprise her and at least get her permission. <laughs> so Dana, so he was pretty much waiting for Dana because she's a very private person, <laughs> unfortunately for her, with all of us. Um, Yes, and she said, you let people do what they need to do, and it is okay. So that's really big of you, Dana. Thank you. And this is called, I'm just over in the glory land, but really in the birthed land, and that's where her folks live. And Dana, I have to tell you, in my DNA, my great-grandfather was a Methodist writer, and this song was one from the all-day singing dinner on the ground revivals, which... All of this bubbles up in me every <laughs> once in a while. So forgive us. You'll be singing this all day long. Yeah. And I just shut your piano. Okay. Okay. Here we go. She's gonna, Coco's going to give it to us all the way through once, and then it's going to be ours to sing. And it's on the back side of your other song sheet.
She wants to be by her parents' side, just over in the birthed land. Just over in the birthed land, she'll give a needed helping hand. Just over in the birthed land, there with her happy folk she'll stand. Just over in the birthed land, there over in the Dana's on her way to a land so fair Over in the birthed land There she'll sing God's praise And his glory will she share Just over in the birthed land Just over in the birthed land She'll give a needed helping hand Just over in the birthed land She'll stand just over in the birthed land, just over in the birthed land. What a joyful noise will our Dana bring, just over in the birthed land. Can't you hear the angels singing by her side, over in the birthed land, just over in the birthed land. Just over in the birthed land, there with her happy folk she'll stand. Just over in the birthed land, just over in the birthed land. Amen. We have a lot of food.